he he is definitely very unafraid of death given that he's did I imagine that he was shirtless, or is he shirtless most of this movie? <laughs> I don't think he's shirtless ever. Sorry, in the movie. <laughs> sorry, that was my fantasy. I get confused a lot. <laughs> okay, so I hear you. I hear you. Can we talk about the rhinos? Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Spoiler Warning Podcast. This is review number 490 with a review of Black Panther. I am Christopher Schnazy. And I'm Stephen Miller. And if you're joining us for the first time, the Spoiler Warning Podcast is a weekly film review program. Each week in the show, we're going to dive in, debate, discuss, and argue over the latest film releases coming to a theater near you this week. We are here to talk about Black Panther. Is it The Black Panther or just Black Panther? I think it's just Black Panther. All right, Black Panther. That's what we're talking about. The latest Marvel film uh, to come out. Um, whatever number it is now. Um, like 18, 19? 18. I, I remember the last time we recorded, we said it was the 17th one, but I don't know mm-hmm. if we missed one or I don't know. It's it's either 18 or 19, but we're here to talk about it. Should be a good time. Uh, but before we start, Stephen Miller, my question for you to start off this episode. Yes. In a world where we could have known the behavior of the people that walked in the theater before the movie started... Should I have given up my seat for that guy? No. No, the, the answer is no. Um, I can't tell if listeners like it when we rant about people in the theater that they that they never got to meet or not. But basically, we were sitting next to two terrible, loud people who were talking slash somewhat flirting with the girls next to them for most who, of the who theater. Who didn't have seats there, by the way? No. Also didn't have seats. <laughs> Everything in the city in San Francisco is assigned seating. These two gentlemen... Had split seats because they waited too long to book their tickets. Great, great, graciously gave up a seat so these two gentlemen could sit together. And then they just talked through all the trailers. They just talked about Batman v Superman. Ripped on each other the whole time. Talked about code. It, and it, here we are. It was terrible. <laughs> it, it sure was. Much like this opening. Yes. Yeah. It, uh, it was a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> Much like this opening, it was two white men just ruining what should be a good thing. <laughs> With that note, what do you say we get into our review of Black Panther? Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> All right, we're going to take a listen to the trailer for Black Panther, and then we're going to come back and give you guys a review. I have seen gods fly. I've seen men build weapons that I couldn't even imagine. Uh-huh. I've seen aliens drop from the sky. Yeah. But I have never seen anything like this. How much more are you hiding? Hola. Let's go. Go. Uh. We are home. My son, it is your time. Show me my respect and bow down. You get to decide what kind of king you are going to be. Don't freeze. I never freeze. The revolution will not be televised. Show me my respect and bow down. We own you. We only get started now, cause we own ya. Everybody think they know me now, 
So that was the trailer for Black Panther. Uh, basically, it is the story of the King of Wakanda, as we all know him, the Black Panther, a person from his past that he may or may not have known, makes his way back and tries to challenge him for the throne. And uh, obviously, that's not a very good thing for the King of Wakanda. So he has to try to stop him from taking over Wakanda and doing bad things with the power, riches, and technology that they have there. Stephen Miller, what did you think of this film? So two bits of context going into this movie. Uh, One, I think it's been established by now that I have had a growing Marvel fatigue. Everyone loved Thor Ragnarok. I was pretty mad on it. Everybody has loved other Marvel movies over the past year or two. I've always been a little bit of a sourpuss. Spider-Man brought me back. That was fun. But for for the most part, I'm I had been having a less and less easy time jibing with the superhero universe. It just seems like a formulaic thing where you go in, see basically the same story over and over again. And and I've been a little bit tired of that. The second bit of context, I've been very pumped for Black Panther. I think <laughs> I joked in the best of episode that the trailer for Black Panther was the best thing that came out last year. That was an exaggeration, <laughs> but it was, it was definitely the best trailer that came out last year. It was just... So cool, and especially I saw it before Thor Ragnarok, and seeing it before a movie that I found to be quite samey only like heightened the difference between having a and like interesting original premise with an original voice and a cast that you have never seen in a Marvel film before yeah. versus kind of the same old thing where they try to tie it back into the broader universe. With that said, I I liked Black Panther quite a bit. I was not blown away by Black Panther. Uh, So the thing that I think it does really well is completely breaks free from the Marvel mold. Um, This movie is a lot of movies. It's a James Bond or Mission Impossible movie for like a quarter of it. Uh, Okay. The the Korea part. Um, Yeah, yeah. They went literally into the set of the casino from uh, Casino Royale. It, It is a very kind of localized film in that all of the action for the most part takes place in Wakanda. It isn't really about some, some broad threat to the planet that they are protecting. Um, It's kind of Hamlet twice, like both main characters, (laughs) the good guy and the bad guy are Hamlet. Anyway, there's all these like themes that kind of felt like they've been done before, but none of them have been done in the Marvel universe before. And I think that. That made it a really interesting film. You don't know where it's going to go. You have no idea what is going to happen to characters. You don't know what characters are going to learn because 
the Black Panther is already the Black Panther at the start of this movie. It isn't like he's discovering his powers or anything. Uh, yeah. He's learning a few new gadgets with Q along the way. But for the most <laughs> part, you know, this is a movie where something is threatening his way of life. But it isn't like he is learning how to be a hero for the first time or making some grand entrance into the superhero universe. Yeah. Um, and I, I really like that. I thought it was... A lot, a lot of fun. I think it was criticized by some people for the action, and I think for the most part, the action is some of the best part of this film, at least when the action is practical and not CG. Like, there are a few fist fights in this movie, usually taking place near waterfalls, which I thought were really cool. To me, that that harkened back to the uh, Ryan Coogler of Creed, right, of, like, filming filming an intense boxing sequence in a very, uh, like, riveting way where the camera is swirling around, but you never lose sight of how the fight is going. Um, I think the premise of this film and the character it sets up is also really exciting. I think uh, the Black Panther is a very different kind of character, and he's kind of promising to add a dash of something new to the Marvel Universe that has grown kind of stale. With that said, even though this wasn't a formulaic Marvel movie, it still didn't feel fresh in the way that I was hoping it would feel fresh. It still felt like larger than life, like a cast that maybe had... I don't know, 30% more famous people than it needed to have given the amount of dialogue <laughs> that it had. Um, I, I, I don't know. There, there was something about it where the first act I had trouble latching on. I think by the middle and end, I was pretty on board with the action and where the film was going, but it never, it didn't come out of the gate with the energy that the trailer promised, like something completely new, like spitting in the face of older superhero films. It kind of, opened up gently and then over time became a little bit more daring. Uh, so I like where it left off. I'm excited for the future of it, but it, it, it just didn't blow me away quite as much as I wanted. Yeah. So, I mean, I, going into it, I was expecting this radical kind of pull away, as you said, from what the other Marvel films are. And I think that, um, not like this isn't a, a knock on the film, but I think it fits very much in the vein of the Thor films, um, especially like the first Thor movie. I mean, this is, this is a film about, a group of people that are separate from like the the normal world that we see on a day-to-day basis and uh their their culture is sort of built around this like spiritual uh, aspect that like where these powers are bestowed upon them right and in in both cases it's a power that is technology but it's given them to them from like i mean they like in black panther like the the heart fruit whatever it's called uh comes from like the spirit of the the actual panther right um so it, like it it felt very much at home in sort of the mystical aspect of what we've seen from the other thor films um so it didn't feel like it was completely removed from that cuz i mean like both have these like special and different color palettes and like there's there's there was aspects that reminded me of other things and then it has you know I know it's DC and not Marvel, but it, like, it had a little bit of that Wonder Woman vibe. I, I was going like, to say, yeah, I think there's yeah. a lot of Wonder Woman in this movie. Yeah, like this society exists in this one area hidden from the rest of the world by some magical field that prevents people from seeing it there. Um, so, I mean, it, it wasn't a just disappointment. It kind of like was like, oh, wow, like this like literally fits square with the other things that we've been seeing. And it doesn't seem so wildly different. But what I love about it is that it is self-contained. Like it's not, it's not another story that's playing obviously the events of civil war playing the beginning of this film but this isn't a film that is concerned with technically the rest of the world though there are impl- impl- implications for how 
the rest of the world could be affected by the events in this film, depending on how they play out. But I think it was nice to see it as its own self-contained narrative. Now, getting into the narrative, like, um, it, like I, I, I thought it was an extremely compelling um, thing that they were going for. Like, I haven't read any... I mean, same thing as every Marvel film that we review. Never read any comics ever. <laughs> um, Which is very surprising <laughs> if you've met Chris. <laughs> I mean, I, I've, I've read some graphic novels and different things and random other... I've read comics, just none that are like the Marvel Prime series that like we're 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 doing now. Anyways, mm-hmm. but uh, so I, I didn't know what to expect from the story, and I didn't have a single clue like where they were going to go with the idea of of who the Wakandan people are. Like they're basically um, Atlantis, right? Right. <laughs> they're like this super crazy technologically advanced civilization that has existed. Uh, for a long time and like exist out of the reach of like the rest of the people like the entire world is developed slower than their technology and for the most part they have decided to kind of keep away from the rest of the world and uh, keep their technology themselves but also not step in to change the outcomes of normal events uh, throughout the world Um, but the fact that they have people who are sort of like existing out in the world to I mean, they, they refer to themselves as spies, but it, it kind of felt like they were like living amongst the, the normal people in the world to kind of see what the state of the world is, where their level of, of advancement is. It sort of had um, the day the Earth stood still kind of feeling mm-hmm. to it, where it's like they I mean, if, if the Wakandans were aliens, right. <laughs> like basically, the, that's the analogy I'm building there. But like it had that kind of feel where like these people have existed off to the side, but they're like living amongst us, kind of uh, spying on us to see what, like what is going on. And I think that like, how this film tries to play into the people who have lived amongst us, who are from there, who want to spread the riches and wealth of what they have there to the rest of the world. Like as, as crazy as uh, Michael B. Jordan acts from a standpoint of like how aggressive he is at his goal, you can hundred percent buy into what his sort of goal is and why he is on the mission that he is on. So right. it's kind of like, it, it's, it's a thing where like the impl- implications of, of what they're trying to do are like very intense. Like I, I liked uh, parts of uh, civil, civil war because of how uh, dark and, and it like, um, like how heavy the story was, the narrative between this like little civil war and like the actual story of black Panther of what is going on and like, the motivations of these characters it's it's far grander than what was in civil war and like takes it to a place that if all this was real <laughs> that could be serious implications yeah and i so that's why i was saying the movie kind of ramps up and by the by the second and third acts i was much more on board it's precisely because of that villain plot line uh joanna who's off mic claimed that she did not like michael b jordan in this movie i really liked michael b jordan in this movie i I think this is maybe the first genuinely good Marvel villain that has happened, which means he actually has a motivation. Like, the the best villains, their motivations are not wrong. Their motivations are philosophically sound, and they take it to an extreme that causes something terrible to happen. Michael Keaton. (laughs) Oh, okay, sure. Sure, Michael Michael Keaton. He... It's just the Spider- Michaels. The Michaels are the great yeah, villains. Yeah, okay, you're right. The, the, the Michaels are the great ones. I, I, I take it back. But Michael B. Jordan, like, I, I kind of joked that both main characters are Hamlet in this movie. And I think that works in the sense that even if you flipped it, if it weren't for the extremes that Michael B. Jordan is going through, 
a similar story could unfold where he is the protagonist in the film and his reasons for doing what he is doing are like largely justified. Of course, movies like to telegraph that this is a brutal person and the good guy doesn't kill willy nilly and the bad guy does. So it like, yeah. it draws firm lines in the sand. But I think it brings up very <laughs> interesting themes where it is not totally clear that the Wakandan people are correct, right? It isn't, it isn't something where they just need to defend this legacy. It is kind of shaking the legacy and saying, is this right? Should we be secluded from the rest of the world? Yeah. Um, and, are, and it feels like they started from a place of like, we're doing this to protect ourselves. But they so rapidly advanced away from the rest of the world that it starts to become a thing where it's like, it's they, they have this like exclusive um, monopoly on like, knowledge and power right. and wealth I, I mean they even use the word refugee to describe other people being in wakanda right yeah, like yeah, the, yeah. There, there's kind of very clear parallels where this is a i you know afrofuturism is the word that people have been using i didn't know that word until three days ago just like after <laughs> noah came out everyone knew the word antediluvian i didn't know that word before <laughs> that but apparently it's a big deal um this is a world where this small country in africa is the most advanced country and it does this flip where their feelings about their own national security and their own protection is very much like, you know, the U.S. is today, right? Like, it, it, it's kind of saying that even if this completely threat exists, people are still going to be closed off by nature and it takes something to rock them out of that. And, like, I, I thought that was really interesting. Uh, I, I like the story that it went for with the people of Wakanda. My, my main problem with this movie is... At, as a superhero movie, I can recall cool action scenes. I can recall a villain's arc that made a lot of sense to me. I couldn't really tell you what journey the Black Panther goes through other than some very minor tweaks in the end to his outlook on life. Well, um, I mean, he... So... I mean, can I spoil themes of the film? <laughs> why not? <laughs> uh, like, I, I think he... He goes he he doesn't sort of go on a journey so much as he starts in one place and ends in another, right? Like he he sort of has grown up feeling that we need to participate in the status quo and by the end of the film he has maybe perhaps changed his outlook on whether Wakanda should have a place amongst the rest of the world um as far as sharing knowledge, right? Like it it's it there there is a journey but it it's one of those things where it's like it's he has to sort of be able to understand uh, what his enemy's goal was and sort of sympathize with with the the ideals behind what that character was trying to do at, before he can change his mind and figure out a way to maybe get towards that without actually being the negative force in the world that he was going to turn out to be. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, there, there, is, there is a journey there. Um, it's just... It's... There, there's a destination arrived at, but not like a journey that's taken. <laughs> so you know what? A, a thing now that is bothering me, and maybe we can talk about it in spoilers, is you you brought up Thor. And the more I think about it, the closer this movie is to Thor. It, Thor a, Ragnarok in particular. You have a, a king passing away, someone else taking the throne, another person who may or may not be close to him challenging this. And this question of whether these people should be secluded starts to come into the play. And it isn't entirely clear which side is right about that. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, I don't know. It, it, it doesn't dampen the film, but it, it, it's interesting drawing one-to-one comparisons. I yeah, think yeah. Forrest Whitaker and Idris Elba are also two kind of very one-to-one characters with very different, like like very uh, very similar meetings in this universe of the the elder who is preserving the the wisdom of this closed community. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. It, one problem with this movie is it's hard to talk about it without getting into spoilers, I think. Yeah. Um, I I think half of the acting is totally great in this movie. I think there are a few people that <laughs> seem out of place to me. Um, we, we were talking before about Daniel Kaluuya, and I, I felt like his character, his motivations didn't make sense to me. It kind of felt like they... They heightened his role, but they didn't get to do the reshoots that would actually give you like a background into why he is the way he is. Yeah. Um, I also think, honestly, it, it's kind of jarring seeing like a white dude like Martin Freeman around all these other people and helping to save the day. Right? Like some people just feel out of place. Stan Lee feels so out of place in this movie. Well, I don't. I understand. He's not he, going to not be in the movie, right? I, I know. It just. It, it just feels really weird to me when this gets tied into the broader Marvel universe from that direction because the, the world of Wakanda just seems so much more compelling than this world of, like, goofy arms dealers and stuff happening yeah. on the outside. But remember, when Stan Lee shows up, they're not in Wakanda. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> I relent. I relent. In, important distinction there, Stephen. I also think if Michael B. Jordan is a very cool villain... Andy Serkis is not a very cool villain, so, but I, he, so he's I, a funny side character. So he's, without being too spoilery, he technically, he's, he's not the villain of this story, right? Mm-hmm. He, he isn't, he, he technically isn't a villain, but he is a very good villainous character. Like he, he has this level of chaos to him um, and uh, like just evilness that he exudes that I, I, I enjoyed. Like, mm-hmm. Uh, there's a scene where there uh, the t- t- heist takes place in a museum, and the way he treats one of the people who becomes a victim, <laughs> like that that's a that's a pretty that, that was a cool villain moment. Sure, yeah. <laughs> like I, th- I think he had some, and then like the way he responded to it too was like it was somehow even more villainous, even though his answer was technically less villainous. Like he he had a very matter of fact reason for why he did what he did, but. Something about the matter of factness made it seem worse than if he was like, "Cause I like having fun." <laughs> right. I, I think for the most part, the the good guys are pretty compelling in this. Uh, Chadwick Boseman, I think he does a great job as Black Panther. We've seen him before. Uh, Lupita Nyong'o, I think she's really cool. As I don't remember the characters' names in these movies. Um, Nakia, I think, is her name. Um, and there's kind of this tribe of. It's much like the Amazonian women in Wonder Woman. There's like this guard of badass female warriors who are kind of the the main warriors in Wakanda yeah. and I think they all are very cool and fleshed out. I also I think the production design in this movie is really cool. Yeah. Uh Wakanda looks amazing. The the costumes are really really cool. There's so many different genres of costume because there's there's multiple tribes that all come together in Wakanda and each have a very unique look. Yeah. It's kind of all something that's taken from older African tribes and then updated slightly given this newer technology. Um, all of that is really cool and imaginative. I I kind of wish slash hope future movies can take place more in Wakanda because I 
Well, I, I mean, don't I don't know yet how all of this translates when it is tied into eighty other superheroes like well, uh, I mean, we, the we, Infinity we, War. Yeah, we definitely know in Infinity Infinity War, like the whole world has to come together basically to to stop baby face Thanos. Um and I think based on the end of this film and what we can expect from that, I assume that Wakanda is going to be sharing a lot of their technology with the world to help recover from <laughs> whatever's going to happen in Infinity War. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's probably a safe bet. Um, but yeah. So should we give reviews and get into spoilers? Well, I'm going to say one more thing uh, real fast before we do that. Uh, one of the things I love that this film does, because like, everybody talks about like everybody's sick of origin stories and everybody's like, hey, this character showed up. We don't need an origin story. Just give us another film. Like, right. That was, that was one of the things that made uh, Spider-Man Homecoming so great is that it wasn't a retelling of how he became Spider-Man. It was sort of just like picking up for when he kind of had some powers and stuff. And then Tony just made him way cooler and then just go and do your thing. This film gives us an origin story of sorts, but it's an or it's. It's not about Black Panther learning what his powers are. It's about the audience understanding where his powers come from. And it, it's, it's an interesting way to sort of flip that, to not, like, start this off. It's like, we've already seen the Black Panther. We already see what he has. Um, let, it, let it go on. And then we get to watch it. And then through the, the, like the combat rituals and, like, the, the passing of the torch rituals that they show off in the film, we learn how it is that he has his powers and stuff like that. So I, so I think that was that was a cool way to handle it. Um, I mean, it's not... It's, it didn't perfectly avoid this, or sidestep the... Um, the, uh, the having to do an origin story, but it felt cleaner and it felt more interesting because, like, it was less hand-holdy. It was kind of, like... All of the exposition was delivered as part of a tradition. Mm-hmm. So we just absorb it as if we are participants in that tradition rather than... Uh, having some character go like, well, you know, Black Panther gets his powers from this. Um, so it was, it, I, I just thought that was really, really cool. Yeah. No, I, no, I agree. I think a quote origin story of some kind is a kind of necessary evil because these characters are new and obviously they need to be presented, right? Whether you're showing how they got their powers or you're just kind of giving exposition by putting them in a new situation and then providing lots of info so you can trace it back. All of that, no matter what you call it, is still just not my favorite thing. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. it's why I'm I'm always more excited about what is going to happen next, right? Like, now that these characters have been established and their their motivation is already clear, then what can you do with this? So I think given that this film had to wear so many different hats, I think it does a great job with all of that i it's hard to imagine a framing of the movie that would hit everything much better than ryan coogler did it i i just even if it isn't the marvel fatigue kicking in i still feel a little bit of a watch a superhero take responsibility for the first time fatigue right like there's just beats that i'm a little bit tired of yeah yeah and uh only last thing to mention uh is I really loved uh, his sister, the the Q character. Like, 
she has this level of excitement in the role she's playing that reminds me a lot of uh, Tom Tom Holland, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like his character is like, oh, I'm Spider Man. Yeah, this is fucking awesome. And like her, she just had like this this like energy to her and like this like swagger of the character she was playing. Whereas like anytime she was doing something, I was like, Yeah, she's fucking badass. Yeah, <laughs> it was really really cool. So I just want to throw that out there. She was like. Michael B. Jordan was cool in his his bad guy like craziness, but she was like kind of stole most of the scenes that she was in. So I agree. Cool. Uh, well, let's get to our verdicts. Close up the show for people who don't want spoilers, and then we'll get into spoilers sh- shortly after that. Stephen Miller, if you want to give this a must see, recommend with a caveat, wait for rental, pass with a caveat, or a must avoid, what would you give it? So, like always, this is a <laughs> failure of the rating system. <laughs> Because I, I I feel like I can't give this top marks because I set the bar too high. I, I think the trailer sets you up for a thing that is going to blow you away, that it's just going to be ultra-stylized everything, right? Uh, the trailer is filled with, you know, m- music. It's filled with interesting <laughs> choreography. There the, is flights, camera, and action. I, I think I think the trailer has more in-your-face personality than the film was willing to go for. And yeah, I don't know if that's just the Marvel machine toning things down a little bit. I'm, I'm not sure what it is. but So recommend with a caveat because I think there is a caveat. If you go in expecting something as amazing as the trailer, I think you will be let down. Um, with that said, obviously it's a new Marvel film that is good and that kind of makes it a must-see because things are going to continue on and you need to know what's going on. So yeah, yeah. caveat for me because of heightened expectations. Yeah, I think uh, ever since that Terminator Salvation trailer came out, which is like one of the best trailers ever made, um, and then the resulting film that came from that, I have learned to tamp down my expectations of, of what I'm going to do going in. I 100% agree that that trailer has like an energy... And uh, like a level of badassness that the film doesn't sort of back up. Um, it's a check it doesn't cash, maybe. Um, but I think that it's it is an interesting. It, it, it's a really interesting Marvel film. Um, it doesn't shy completely away from the formulas of the other films, but its subject matter is compelling on a much different way than most of the other films are. Um, so for me, I'm going to give it a must see. Um, it's. I don't know where I would place it on scale of the other ones, uh, but I I still like it. It was, I think it was just to compare. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. How to, yeah. how to. And and this is partly why the rating is broken too. Is I'm probably changing right because if you ask me, yeah. how does it compare on the scale of Marvel films? It's in the upper echelon, right? Like, it's certainly in the top third yeah. for me of, of Marvel movies. And probably in the past, I've given all of them must-sees before because I just didn't have that fatigue setting in yet. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for, for me, the... All, like, my my criticisms that I would have of the film would relate to, like, what they what they do overall with Andy Serkis's character and, like, mm-hmm. little individual beats of how the story plays out. It, they're just generic film criticism <laughs> right uh, but i think the film as far as what the story it wanted to tell i think it executed well and uh i enjoyed it so cool <laughs> uh so yeah we will close out this episode um 
and then get into spoilers. So, Stephen Miller, if people want to find you throughout the week, where can they do that? Uh, they can go to twitter.com slash sdavidmiller or sdavidmiller.com. People can find me at christopherinreallife.com or twitter.com slash christopherirl. You can find the podcast over at thespoilerwarning.com where you can get a bunch of the back episodes of the show. If you want to know, know when the episodes go live, you can follow us at twitter.com slash spoilerwarning or like us at facebook.com slash thespoilerwarning. If you want to get a hold of us directly, you can send an email to fans at thespoilerwarning.com or you can use the contact form on our site. Music for this episode will come from the soundtrack to Black Panther, so hopefully you're enjoying that. Uh, that soundtrack is going to fade up, and then after a few moments, it'll fade back down, and we will be in full-blown spoilers. So everybody's not sticking with us. Thanks for listening. Everyone else, we will see you, or hear you, or you'll hear us in just a moment. <laughs> I fight the world, I fight you, I fight myself. I fight God, just tell me how many burdens left. I fight pain and hurricanes, today I wept. I'm trying to fight back tears. All right, we are back. Um, you just listened to our review of Black Panther. This is now spoiler territory, excuse me. And uh, yeah, if you haven't seen the film yet, we're going to spoil possibly lots of important things to you that you might want to go back and watch the movie before you listen to this. Um, if you're listening, glad you're here. But be prepared. Spoilers starting now. Okay, so I mentioned that I think Michael B. Jordan's character is one of the best Marvel villains because his motive is actually clear and relatable. With that said, I think his way of getting there is, like, incomprehensible. Like, basically, I don't understand <laughs> why he has gone through this whole... I don't he's understand gone through why this he marked his life. body... <laughs> yeah, he, he's gone through a whole life serving in the military, like fighting in Afghanistan. He helps Andy Serkis and then goes to Korea so Andy Serkis can almost get captured so he can take Andy Serkis and rescue him so he can then kill him. Why didn't he just – he knew Andy Serkis in London. Why didn't he just kill Andy Serkis and fly to Wakanda well, and I challenge the king at the right time? Like I don't understand why the first half of the movie happened. I, I, I assume, if I can stretch for the film, um, he has the notebook from his father. He has the ring. He has what it looks like a crudely drawn outline of Wakanda. But I don't think he actually knows where it is. And I think that he had to get close to Andy Serkis to be part of his crew to sort of get in enough to be able to find out the last bits of information he needed so that he could go to Wakanda. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that I think he first joined all those different like military services because he actually wanted to do genuine good in the world. Um, I don't know at which point he flipped that switch and started marking his body to show all the kills that he had completed or done or scored or whatever, whatever word he wants Let's to use. Let's be honest. It, it's eczema. <laughs> I just think that he injected some of those nanobots that make the suit and it just didn't quite make its way out of the pores. Um, but yeah, like I, 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 yeah, I, I bought there was some logical path there, right? Like he, yeah, he, he wanted to get Andy Serkis on his side, show him the weird hammer pick thing, um, work with him to steal vibranium from other places probably. I, I think there was a progression that took place and we're just not privy to it because that's not the story we're watching. I, it's just when he is finally challenging the king, he says, 
each of these dots is for a person I killed, and I killed all of them to get to you. And it's like, bro, that is a very circuitous path to get to him. I yeah. feel like I feel like there maybe was a quicker way to do that if that if that was your end game. Well, I mean, he he had to train to get good so he could fight the king. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I, I think that, yeah, I don't I don't know I. I also, I might just be a bad film goer. I didn't catch why uh, Daniel Kaluuya, why his character cares so specifically about catching Andy Serkis. Did did they elaborate? Like, why is well, he so personally invested in this? It's because uh, he, his father or mother was killed in the explosion when Andy Serkis first stole the uh, vibranium case. Mm-hmm. Um, and also he has been an enemy of Wakanda for years. And it seemed like the last Black Panther, um, his father uh, had not wanted to go out into the world and hunt him down and just only fought him when he came to Wakanda. So I think it was a, uh, I think there was some level of, it was just like a sore spot for him, I guess. Mm -hmm. I also, please educate me on this. Did we already know Martin Freeman's character? Yes. From Um, which film? So we knew him from Civil Bro. Okay, I blacked out Civil Bro, I think. Was it? We've definitely seen him before, because I think he was... See now, now somebody's screaming at me over the over the internet's right now. But it, basically, he like we know he is a CIA agent who has been investigating various things. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so with, with with all that said, the eventual plan, which I really liked, of Michael B. Jordan's, is surprisingly not tamed down for the Marvel movie, given that everything else felt a little toned back stylistically. Uh, his plan is kind of very explicitly. Our people, meaning Africans in general, you know, not just Wakanda, um, they are being abused in other places. They are living in unfair conditions. I I think he mentions law enforcement explicitly. Like a a lot of very specific socially damning things are mentioned to him, mentioned by him in his quest to save them, you know, do something, let them fight back, let them rise up and... Like that's a that's a bold statement for a movie to uh, make, especially a massive Marvel flick that up until now has been like almost entirely white, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and and so I thought that was really interesting. Uh, I don't think it is delivered perfectly. It's kind of very heavy-handed. Like here is when we're going to talk about social things, but I think his plan on a whole is very interesting and yeah, strong for a Marvel movie. Oh yeah, I mean like it it does not it does not pull any punches with the statements that the characters are trying to make. Um and you know it, it, it like I I'd seen a few posts leading up to the release of the film that were like if you want to understand Black Panther go watch Fruitvale Station. <laughs> like and like articles like that where I'm like I like without context it's like how are these even related at all? <laughs> and like when it came down for the movie I was like okay, now having not even read the articles like I can understand like where these connections are being made. Mm-hmm. But do you have any spoilers to discuss? Um, yeah. So, I mean, I, I referenced earlier that like some of my complaints were related to how they handled like Andy Serkis's character. And it's not it's not even really 
It's it's not that like, hey, I want the Black Panther movie to feature Andy Serkis more. Like that's not my complaint. My complaint is like, why even include him in the story at all? Right? Like he's sort of just there to have. He's just there so that blame can be assigned, and then he's literally shot and killed. So here's the thing, freaking. Uh, what was I going to call him? Mega Man over here mm-hmm. with his like arm cannon uh, is like fucking people up a lot in all the opening scenes. And then suddenly like he's just like a, a, a pushover basically. Like he, he the way he goes is not through a grand struggle. It's not through a surprise killing or it's not anything where it's like it, it just felt weird. To, it's like we strung this character along for this long and then we just cast him aside and I almost just wish that he wasn't a part of the film at all. Sure, um, I, I kind of felt like they just were trying to salvage him from Age of Ultron because they introduced him for, like, five minutes or something and then got rid of him. Yeah, yeah, but I, but I, but I mean, like, they essentially do worse than this by stringing him along a little bit longer and then just killing him in a way that doesn't seem to do justice for that character. If he literally has plagued the, the you know, Black Panther Sr. for... Mm-hmm decades or whatever like then like how how does he just go from a few bullet shots also a a a, like a a drug lord weapons dealer arms man doesn't wear a bulletproof vest like i don't know i'm just saying he's mega man i'm just saying he he is definitely very unafraid of death given that he's did I imagine that he was shirtless, or is he shirtless most of this movie? <laughs> I don't think he's shirtless ever. Sorry, in the movie. <laughs> sorry, that was my fantasy. I get confused a lot. <laughs> okay, so I hear you. I hear you. Can we talk about the rhinos? <laughs> sure. Why? Why are rhinos like the big terror? There's like this buildup to in the final fight uh, to Daniel Kaluuya blowing the horn. Like, no, don't blow the horn. Yeah, don't blow the horn. It's three rhinos. <laughs> and like, the, the, why? I don't get it. Like, why Why are rhinos such big bads in this universe where people are unafraid of, I like, mean, guns or flying trucks or anything else? Clearly those weren't, like, your everyday rhinos. They were, like, like oversized giant fat rhinos with armor on them. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> no, no, yeah. I, I thought that was awfully dumb. Also, the weird thing about it, too, is that in the... Uh, in the, it was like in, in Man of Steel when they like first go inside the ship and like, there's like the, it's referring to them as like nanobot things, but it's like the, the gray sludge stuff that turns into the thing that they're trying to explain right. in the story. Their version of that technology that tells like the history of like the past of when like the five tribes, uh, were there when the meteor landed or whatever in that, like, elephants were the giant creature that everybody was fighting with, right? Like, there's mm-hmm. a big scene where it's, like, elephants just fucking shit up. And it's, like, why Why did you switch to rhino? <laughs> like, elephants are clearly cooler. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> We've seen elephants fight before. Have we really seen a rhino fight? In 300, did a rhino fight? <laughs> Am I remembering that wrong, too? There's some movie where there's badass rhinos getting involved in the mayhem. I don't know. Are there rhinos in 300? Look, I don't know. I, I don't know anything. Does the Persian army have rhinos? Anyways. <laughs> um, could you follow the logic of the final fight between um, the Black Panther 
and Michael B. Jordan's character, they basically go down. So, so, th- so they- it's mentioned <laughs> earlier that when these supersonic things are on, the their power it, will go down. Uh, but why? Here's here's the thing about that fucking scene, because when you see him working out in his mind, my expectation is he's going to use that to completely disable the power, use that to take him out. But he's going to do it in a way where, like, they activate just one of the beams. When he tries to jump at him, that disables him. Bah, stab him. Mm-hmm. It's going to be like a quick death. That's what I expected. This train shit, which, let's be honest, is a complete fucking ripoff of uh, the freaking Phantom Menace in the, in the fight scene with, like, the panels that they keep shut. Because the train, it only... The only time it weakens their suit is during a time when they can't fight because there's a fucking train going between them. Mm-hmm. Like, I if I understand right, when he finally stabs him, it is in the moment in the where moment the power is coming back as it's coming back together, and he stabs him before I the suit fully materializes. Because I just don't see why him with no suit against. Michael B. Jordan with no suit is any better than him with a suit against Michael B. Jordan with a suit. Like, uh, I, I, because the knife would not penetrate the suit because it's vibranium. Did you even watch the movie, Stephen? <laughs> I, I just don't know why that's... Be- I mean, his sister asked the same question, right? Like, why do this? The only reason I could think of that the movie had to have that be the way they go is so technically he would have won the challenge because he wasn't using the panther powers at the moment that he <laughs> killed him. <laughs> Well, I mean, technically he lost the challenge already. I don't know. He never died, remember? He didn't That's... tap out. He didn't tap yeah. out. He didn't tap out. He's still alive. Yeah. If you, if, you, if you count being in a coma under a bunch of snow. Alive, I don't know why you're being so judgmental yes. all of a sudden. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm, I'm just... I, we can't just give this all the love. I already gave mm-hmm. it a must-see. I know. What do you want from me, Stephen? Um... Yeah, one thing that I could have said in non-spoilers that I really, really liked about the film is Wakanda is, like, super advanced technology-wise, right? Like, they're, they're like a whole society of Tony Starks, mm-hmm. like, basically. But the cool thing is, like, Tony Stark is all interface porn, right? Where it's just, like, shit everywhere, dials and, like, things reading out and going everywhere. And you don't see an interface screen anywhere in this movie. You see projections of people when you answer a call. You see, like... Uh, uh, lights on bracelets light up when you press them, but you don't actually see like screens of stuff. And even like uh, right. when uh, Martin Freeman is like sitting on the little bed, as he starts to wake up, all the panels sort of like go neutral, so there's no information on them at all. And it's kind of like it's it's weird that it's just like they're so advanced that they're not flashy with their technology. I, I, I agree with you, but I think the coolest tech in this movie happens toward the beginning when. Uh, the Black Panther is basically scoping out the cars below and looking at the plan, and he's interacting with what what look like little iron filaments or something yeah, that yeah. have just it's, formed. It's, like, it's the Superman thing that I was talking yeah. about earlier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think that was cool. I, I like that as the main interface yeah. that they use. I, I think the coolest part about that exact interface is when it's cool that it's happening, but when he picks up the one and he can still interact with it, that made it like extra cool. Waves his hand. You see the inside. Yeah. It was cool. <laughs> Into it. I Did you like when Michael B. Jordan just shot his girlfriend in the middle of that fight? I, I don't really understand what she was. 
to him because clearly like that could have just gone down a different way. That yeah, like the here's the thing is at least shoot twice so you also hit that, yeah, Andy yeah, Serkis. Yeah. So like there's there's a lot of there's a lot of films that do this. They're all escaping me right now. Where like the bad guy is so bad, friggin' even uh, Kaiser Soze in the flashbacks in The Usual Suspects. We don't talk about that movie anymore. <laughs> but like, <laughs> nice. Uh, what is that, Stephen? Um, but like in that film, the Kaiser Soze character in the flashback, uh, like a bunch of people are like, we're gonna kill your family. He's like, oh yeah, and he just shoots his family. He's like, that's how fucking crazy I am. But like Michael B. Jordan is not doing that, and he doesn't gain anything from shooting the girl. So what was the point of it? Mm-hmm. Maybe he had one remaining like scale left on his arm to finish his his sweet sweet thing. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I I didn't understand the transformation of him from guy that opens the film robbing the museum to guy whose sole task in life is to avenge his father's death and take the throne. Right, like. I understand well, no, that character, but I don't understand the arc that he goes through to get there, including having a girlfriend and then murdering her for, like, the dumbest reason. So I I honestly think that the avenging my father's death is a secondary piece to the puzzle. Like, I think it's literally about, like, spread the wealth of Wakanda to the world, um, or not, not, not even really to the world, just to our people who are out in the world and let us take over the world, basically. Um yeah. So do you think when he is dying and then he gets to live long enough to take a long elevator ride to have like a Mufasa look out over my kingdom moment, is that lazy writing or is that because the suit, like the powers came back and that slows his death from the no, stabbing? No, I mean like, like if, if – Stephen, obviously you've never been stabbed. <laughs> but they say don't remove it because that's like when you bleed out, right? Mm-hmm. So I think he, he would – like he – his dad – told him that Wakanda has the most beautiful sunsets in the world. He knew he was like, even, even Black Panther says, Hey, maybe we can still heal you. Cause the blade's still in him, right? They're like, if we take you in there, maybe my sister can like patch you up, whatever. And he's like, nah, fuck that. And then he pulls it out and lets him like, he, he was in a unrecoverable state, but he was not dying in that mm-hmm. moment. He dies when he is satisfied that he's seen the sunset and that he doesn't want to participate in the world that um, Wakanda is sort of setting up. And then he gives in and pulls out the blade and then dies. I felt like his final words when he is dying were some of the clunkier social messaging that the movie had. What what did he say? Uh, He says, it's something like throw me in the ocean so I can be with my uh, ancestors who also knew that it's better to die than live in chains. To jump ship. And yeah, yeah. I, I understand. I don't feel like that argument pertains to Wakandans healing him and having him live there. But I yeah, yeah, it, 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 was, it was in continuity with his character. It just felt like a very ham-fisted, he, ham-fisted he, bit of dialogue. He was saying it to a person who for whom that message would have not been a slap in the face to. Right? right. Like it wasn't. He wasn't going up against somebody. He was just saying it to the audience, I guess. So, yeah, that, that, I think that one was the most ham-fisted version of that uh, narrative that, that, that the film offered. But I think, yeah. Cool. 
Is that, uh, are, are, are we done? <laughs> I think we're done. <laughs> All right, cool. Well, thank you everybody for listening. We'll see you next time. <laughs> Step into the spotlight. Woo!